So welcome back to Behind the Double Doors. I'm Dr. Bob Basu. Today on our podcast, I'm really excited to introduce our first board-certified plastic surgeon guest, Dr. Johnny Franco, nationally renowned aesthetic plastic surgeon and founder of Austin Plastic Surgery. Well, thanks for having me. I'm super excited and honored to be your very first guest. So uh, like you said, I'm Dr. Johnny Franco here in Austin, Texas. And, you know, our practice specializes in in a lot of body contouring, BBLs is probably the the number one procedure I do, but uh, super excited to be a part of today's uh, conversation. And you guys got a lot of great topics. So So Dr. Franco, tell us where are you from? How did you get the plastic surgery bug? Yes, it's been a little bit of an interesting journey. So uh, I actually grew up in Las Cruces, New Mexico in a little pecan orchard and then have bounced around. I did my residency in St. Louis. I did a a few kind of small fellowships in in Taiwan, Belgium, and then did an aesthetic fellowship in Miami. Stayed there for a couple of years, which probably, you know, influenced a little bit of my passion for BBLs and butt augmentation. And then, but I did my my med school here in Texas. So I always wanted to come back. So finally got the chance to come back to Texas. And so I've been, been here in Austin for about the last six, seven, years. I started my own practice about five years ago. And uh, uh, you can find us on our website at Austin Plastic Surgeon or on Instagram at, at Austin Plastic Surgeon. So Dr. Franco, we let's talk a little bit about trends in aesthetic plastic surgery. And I want to bring up the recent data from the International Society of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons that actually CNN jumped on this. And they were focusing on that for the first time, liposuction has become the number one procedure and demand. It used to be breast augmentation. And CNN felt that there were some trends about patients not wanting implants because of some concerns about breast implant illness or maybe the information about textured implants and capsular lymphomas that patients are, are kind of veering away from implants. What, do you, what are your thoughts about these trends? What do you think is going on here? I think there's a couple things. This is such an interesting topic. One, I think the explosion in liposuction has a little bit to do with some of the COVID weight gain that, including myself, most of us experienced a, a little bit. And now that people are being active, trying to fit into old clothes, I think it's been a, a little bit hard. And I, I think so. A lot of people have turned to maybe plastic surgery to kind of jumpstart them. So I think that's the growth. I honestly haven't seen in our practice a decreased demand for breast augmentation, haven't seen the concerns for breast implant illness. And, and I think that there, there is an entity out there, but I, I don't think people realize how rare, extraordinarily rare that is. Uh, the vast majority of breast augmentation patients are extremely happy and do extremely well. Yeah, I think with the trends, you know, it caught a lot of people's attention. CNN obviously focused on it, that liposuction has become the number one procedure in demand. I look back at the American Society of Plastic Surgeons Statistics as well. Overall demand for aesthetic surgery services is going through the roof, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's nationwide, that's worldwide. But I think there's more to this change than just patients worrying about breast implant illness. And I think, as you said, Dr. Franco, that you know, with post-COVID weight gain, I think just with that overall increase in demand for aesthetic procedures, people just want to look better in their clothing or in a, in a bathing suit. And so liposuction has just outgrown the growth rate in breast augmentation. And so, yes, maybe liposuction is more in demand, but I still think there's growth based on my observations, very similar to yours, that there's still growth for breast augmentation procedures. You know, I'm still seeing a lot of patients coming in for primary, meaning first-time augmentation. I'm seeing a lot of patients wearing their upgrades, meaning a redo. They want to downsize, upsize. And occasionally I do see patients that are they're done with their implants. They want to downsize and do a breast lift or maybe volumize their breasts using their fat. But there's still robust and healthy demand for breast augmentation procedures. So I, I think it's maybe an overstatement 
from the ISAPS data that it's because of breast implant illness that people are not opting for augmentation. Rather, I think it's more that there's just more robust growth mm-hmm. in demand for lipo. You're still growing in breast augmentation. Number two is not shady. No. <laughs> right? It's still pretty good. But there's just more growth in liposuction than there is growth in augmentation, perhaps. And so, you know, I think we're seeing the same things in our practice in our in our respective markets. Don't you think that some of the new technology has made people even more interested in liposuction with some of the skin tightening uh, devices available, Renuvion, Body Tight? You know, there's more and more things coming onto the market, which there was a lot of people who were not good lipo candidates that we shied away from. I know arms, other things. Now that we can in- include some skin tightening, we can do some high definition lipo, all sorts of different tools that we didn't used to have at our disposal, I think is open up that market too. Absolutely. And, and, and liposuction, just like with everything in medicine and surgery, the technology is advancing. We're getting better results with lipo. We're seeing safer results, less yeah. blood loss. We're seeing faster recoveries. And I think this is also goes into... You know, patients want curves, and liposculpting <laughs> is a great tool to facilitate whether someone wants a BBL or someone just wants more of a narrower waistline, whatever their wants are. But liposuction is such a great tool by itself or just an adjunct to a mommy makeover, a tummy tuck. It's just so commonplace, and I think that's what that data really shows is that people are opting for liposuction because they feel comfortable, as you said, with the outcomes we're getting and with the new technologies that are out there and, and the safety level. People feel comfortable with it. Yeah. So let's switch gears and talk a little bit about buttock size and BBLs because our guest is Dr. Johnny Franco, the BBL king. (laughs) So we've got the expert. So there's been a tremendous effort by board-certified plastic surgeons to get the word out about the safety with the Brazilian buttock lift procedure. I think the word's getting out. But I'd love to get your thoughts on the safety of BBLs. So what should surgeons be doing to keep our patients safe? Yeah, I I think people forget that BBL in the world of plastic surgery is actually a relatively new procedure. And even though we've been doing it for, you know, 10, 15 years now, if you compare that to breast augmentation, liposuction, that's just in its infancy. And so I feel like our knowledge has grown exponentially. And one of the the biggest change that we've incorporated into our practice is is the ultrasound. We use real-time ultrasound for all of our fat transfer so we can see the muscles, we can see the different layers of fat, we can see exactly where we're injecting it. So this takes all the guesswork out. I'll tell you, honestly, even from uh, when I talk to physicians or they come shadow us, you know, even from an aesthetic perspective, our results have gotten better because now I have so much more precision about that. So I think that's been a big change in terms of the safety of BBLs. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and really, if you're listening and, and you're in a different market, and you're talking to a surgeon about BBL, make sure they're utilizing ultrasound to keep you safe. Because remember, one of the concerns about the procedure is if fat is injected too deep into the muscle or below the muscle, well, inside that muscle or below the muscle, there's these big blood vessels. And if fat gets in those blood vessels, and God forbid fat travels up those blood vessels, well, that fat can clog up your heart and lungs, and that can lead to a catastrophic fat embolism. And that's where those headlines come from about you know young women who are healthy that go down to some of these strip mall clinics, and, and they don't make it out alive because they're getting a fat embolism. So the way we keep patients safe now is we advocate for injecting fat into the safe subcutaneous zone. So remember in the buttock, there's skin, then there's fatty layer, then there's a strength layer called of collagen called fascia, and then there's our glute muscles. Well, your surgeon needs to stay away from the muscle. And now, as Dr. Franco mentioned, we use ultrasound. So if you've had kids, you remember the ultrasound that probes your tummy (laughs) and looks at the baby. Well, we use that same technology in the operating room to actually visualize where we're injecting every little bit of fat to keep you safe. And that's, we're doing everything humanly and technically possible to keep our patients safe. And, And that lets 
Dr. Franco and I sleep at night knowing that we've done everything possible to keep our patients safe. And, and that's a good thing. And it, it was kind of disappointing that BBLs got this reputation because when you really look at where a lot of these, uh, and you alluded a little bit to it, you know, where a lot of these incidents happen, it's actually a very small collection area in the United States where the vast majority of these happen. Can happen to anybody, but it was unfortunate that there was a very, very narrow area where a large collection of these happened because if it's too good to be true, you know, you got to worry where those, those cost savings are coming from because it does take time. We do invest money, effort, training. We go to courses to learn how to use these ultrasounds, to spend these times. Both you and I love to educate people. We take time out of our schedule right. to, to share that knowledge. And I think it comes from somewhere and because and, we care about the overall safety of everybody, whether, you know, you come to see us or somebody else. Right, exactly. Well, let, let's talk a little bit more about that. So, you know, look, we know that we've seen on Instagram or the marketing of these clinics that are out there that are offering cut rate deals for surgical procedures. Oftentimes the pricing is lower than what you can get overseas. What do you tell a patient that's actually considering cost only and they're going for a cheap deal and maybe these practices have slick advertising with results that look pretty impressive? Mm -hmm. How should we educate these patients when they're looking at these options? I think I always try to tell them, just, just ask the right questions. You know, Who's actually doing my, my surgery? Is it you? Are you the one doing all my liposuction? Who's doing my anesthesia? Do I have another anesthesia provider there? If I have a problem, who do I call? Where do I go to? Am I going to be able to reach you? Are you still going to be in town in a week You know, if I have an issue? And so I think even just an answering some of these simple questions right. you know, helps you get to an answer of knowing like what you're getting for your money. Right, right. And, and it's important for all our listeners to remember, do your homework, as Dr. Franco said. Ask the questions. The worst thing that you can do is jump for slick advertising and a cheap deal. Remember, a BBL is cosmetic surgery, but it's real surgery. Mm -hmm. And you need to have a surgeon like Dr. Franco or a board-certified plastic surgeon that's well-versed in the right techniques to keep you safe, is not cutting corners on safety, because this is real surgery. Things can happen. And so we want you to be safe and healthy, so you got to do your homework. And the last thing you should be focusing on is cost. You know, if it's not the right time for you to do the procedures, then wait, save up. There's financing options. But don't focus on cost and slick marketing. Do your homework. It's, I think it's super important. But let's talk about the fun stuff with BBL. There's trends, right? On, on social media, TikTok, people are talking about BBL era is over. So I have to ask the BBL king, is this real? Is this true? Are people doing BBL reversals? What's up with that? You know, we've actually seen very few BBL reversals. I'll tell you the, the few pieces that we've seen it is people who, number one, I think sometimes people see these, these massive BBLs on Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. Most of the people that have this massive butt, it didn't happen by accident. Right. It's like people that have these huge <laughs> lip stuff. They've worked hard for this. Most of those people have had multiple rounds right. of BBLs, BBL plus bun implants, lots of stuff. One round of BBL is not going to get you this massive over the top butt. So I, let's just get that cleared up, right. number one. Uh, two, I do think there's some people who gained a lot of weight during COVID. And remember, it's your fat. So if you gain weight, you know, it's going to go where we've put this fat. You know, the idea of a BBL is we've rechanged your shape and proportions. So, you know, we get you to a good spot. So I, the few people who have treated you know, have gone, I think, a little bit into some weight gain issues, things like that. I think overall, some of the concept of what people want for BBL has changed a little bit. I think the when you first get it, like anything else, people just want to like push the limits. How big, how much fat can I put? And I think now people look for, especially in Austin, where it's a very athletic type city stuff, people want more an athletic, but people still love the athletic look. And so, you know, we've combined this a lot with HD lipo. So we always tell people you're athletic on the front and athletic in the back. And so I think a little bit of their desires has changed, but I don't think it's gone away. 
So you're not seeing any changes of BBL reversal necessarily. It's not a trend that you're seeing. We have not seen it. How about in Houston? Because everything's bigger in Houston. Right. <laughs> Everything is bigger in Houston. But I, I guess my practice sees a lot of moms. They want curves, right? I, I think you per- said it perfectly. They want to look athletic up front, but they also want to have that balance in the back. And athletic means different things to different patients, but proportions, but curves. Like they want to look good in form-fitting clothing. And it doesn't mean disproportionate buttocks. The demand for curves, whether it be just fat transfer to the hip dips on the sides or with a BBL, the demand's still there. So I am not seeing that reversal necessarily, but I could see if patients gain weight, like you said perfectly, that they may want to downsize. I could see that trend because our bodies do change with time. People need to remember that when they have a fat transfer procedure, once that fat cell has survived, it becomes a living, breathing fat cell that's dynamic. So if we gain weight, guess what? That fat cell still remembers it came from your tummy. (laughs) So it's going to want to get bigger. And so if the fat gets bigger, then sometimes you might need a downsizing. But yeah, I I do see patients coming in, they want curves, but they don't want that disproportionate look. Now that means different things to different patients, but I don't think that trends over by any means. And we do so many combo fat transfers. You know, we do as many like tummy tuck lipo fat transfers as we do just straight BBLs. Because to your point, people just want that little bit of figure and how you get there may be different than just just BBL, maybe tummy tuck, maybe all sorts of different things that we can play with. Because, Mm -hmm. and you mentioned it just a second ago, but this whole kind of body balancing concept that the breast, the butt, the tummy all go together. Right. Balancing. Exactly. So as you look into your crystal ball, where do you think this BBL trend is headed over the next year or two? I think that it's not going away. I think the athletic is is staying. I'll tell you, as the weight loss and the semi-glutides have exploded, I think there's going to be a lot more combination of skin tightening combined with the BBLs, tummy tucks type things to, to do this. Because mm-hmm. unfortunately, when we lose weight, we don't always get to pick where we lose it. Uh, so hopefully lose a little bit in the tummy, but sometimes we lose it in the face. Sometimes we lose it in our butt. Sometimes we lose it in our breasts. So I'll tell you, for me personally, as I've, I've lost weight, I'm much more motivated to go shopping. I'm much more motivated to, mm-hmm. to do stuff for myself because sometimes when we're not in a good spot, you go to the store, you try something on, you do something, you you're feel like, frustrated. You're yeah. frustrated. You're like, well, I ain't going to move to a double X. I've drawn the line. And so right. I think it's going to continue to explode. Yeah, I think it's going to continue to trend. You mentioned about weight loss. A good portion of my practice, I see a lot of post-weight loss patients, mm-hmm. either through you know, medical weight loss, lifestyle changes, or bariatric surgery. And for a lot of these patients, they've lost their volume in their buttock. What's your approach to help these patients if they don't have excess fat much left? What are some options for them? I think that can be super challenging because sometimes they don't have a lot of options. Sometimes they have a lot of skin laxity, which can make this hard. And so sometimes we'll do circumferential lifts. We'll do some turn down flaps. We can actually use some of their own skin and, and fatty tissue to get them to a good spot with that. We'll do occasional butt implants, but sometimes have to be super cautious with that because I don't think people realize when you gain that weight and you lose that much, it not only affects the skin, but it affects some of the internal structures as well and those ability to support things. And that's why we do a lot of internal bras with our breasts and other stuff. But uh, we've actually even started including some of that with some of our butt procedures to to try and help support them as well. Uh, can be super challenging if they don't see an expert like you who who's used to managing these, making sure they're in a good spot, all the different options. Because don't you think it's challenging even making sure that how you get there safely and even kind of a roadmap to approach? Because sometimes people need more than one surgery to get them to a good Absolutely, spot. Yeah. yeah. With a circumferential body lift, for our listeners, that in, that's a procedure that includes a tummy tuck, a waist and lateral thigh lift, and a buttock and lower back lift. 
with the buttock lift, when we're tightening that skin, as Dr. Franco said, oftentimes I will do what's called a composite, which what that means is I'm taking the love handle tissue, mm-hmm. we're putting it to good use, and we rotate that tissue into the buttock pocket. But if they have a little bit of fat, most people have, a, even if they've had let, weight loss, they still have some pockets mm-hmm. here and there. We lipo that, and I typically will inject the fat in the lower pole and in the hip dips mm-hmm. to basically use fat transfer using you know fat injections with your own tissue, what's called autologous augmentation, rotating the tissue into the buttock. And that generally helps us. But I think it makes me think about how you're using implants on some of these patients with the internal bra mm-hmm. to hold them. That's actually pretty innovative. So very cool. So let's talk about internal bra techniques. So Dr. Franco, you love to use the internal bra technique. Who's a, who's a good candidate? Who should be thinking about it? Yeah, I've loved it. And, and just so people know, internal bra, you know, we... I think us as plastic surgeons sometimes confuse people because we use that that term a little fast and loosely. So basically, in my mind, and, and correct me, because you're you're the number one guy in terms of Galaflex and internal <laughs> use. So, so uh, I'm hoping to learn a few pearls from you while I'm here today. But it's just basically we refer that to that when we're using any type of additional structural support to mm. help either hold the implant or soft tissue in a good spot. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to tell patients that when if your tissue is too weak to hold up your breast or implant. We have to use something else besides that tissue to give you that support. And that's something else is where the internal bra technique comes to play. There's different materials out there, like a material known as Galaflex. There's also another material called Durazorb that's out there, different tools for different surgeons. Mm -hmm. But essentially what all of this is doing is recreating the effect that your favorite push-up bra achieves Mm -hmm. on your breast. But we're internalizing that. So hopefully you don't need to wear that push-up bra and you get the support that you need. So it's all about support. In, in our practice, there's a couple of patients that we really push to do this. I, I tell people, if you've had a lot of weight loss, typically that skin, the internal structures get really stretched out. So that would be, in my mind, someone who would who would benefit from this. I think patients that are going with larger implants, because gravity doesn't go away, the heavier the implant, the more it's going to weigh down on those, those breasts. I think patients who've already come in and they may not have had children, but they already have very totic breasts. I was like, hey, your skin and tissues never supported the breast to begin with. The idea that we're going to add an implant in weight and it's going to be able to support that, I think, you know, is probably setting us up for problems. Also, there's a lot of good plastic surgeons in Austin as there is in Houston. If somebody's already had a surgery and it didn't go well from a good quality board certified plastic surgeon, I tell them to do the exact same thing and hope that things are just going to go differently. <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So those are some big categories where we definitely have the the conversation about it. Absolutely. No, that's that's great advice. Do you have a different any different groups that you, you offer it to? No, I mean, anybody post-weight loss contouring, mm-hmm. postpartum, meaning after having kids or just someone born with poor tissue. One of the things that, you know, it's amazing. When I, when I trained, no one ever taught me to talk about tissue quality with patients. Every breast patient I talk about tissue quality because ultimately, no matter who your surgeon is, we can only work with the tissue that you have, whether that be the breast, the face, the tummy. With the breast, if we're adding volume, as Dr. Franco perfectly said, no matter what implant you choose, whether it be a itty-bitty small implant or a big implant, you're adding weight. And what ultimately holds up the breast, whenever we do anything on the breast, is the patient's tissue quality. Mm-hmm. And we can't change that. So it's really important to have that discussion. And then I love to ask my patients for a wish pick. Mm-hmm. Because you, know, you and I could talk to patients for eight hours. They show us a photo of what they want. We know, uh-oh we got to do something else to get there or, uh uh-oh, we can't get them there because of their baseline anatomy. It's important Mm -hmm. to have that discussion before the surgery so we can set up their expectations. And so through that experience, 
the type of patients I look at are anyone with weak tissue. And if they have expectations for more upper pull volume or defined cleavage, look, if they're looking for more of that natural teardrop shape, they like the natural kind of slope, then you don't necessarily need to do the internal bra. But if they're looking for more fullness, upper pull cleavage, or want their breast to sit higher on their mm-hmm. chest wall than what their tissue can do, then we got to talk about it. Otherwise, I can't get them there without the intro bra technique. I've loved that you're a fan of the wish pictures because I am too. And I, it's just terms like natural, full round mean yeah, what does so that many mean? things to so many people. And I, I, like you said, I'd rather them be disappointed in the consultation that we can't do this right, than, right. you know, $15,000, you know, two months later. And so right. I, I, I love that. You know, the other portion that I always tell people is it's not even just about, you know, them following down on the front of your chest. Most people forget. You know, Lateral, we, we go, yeah. <laughs> we go in a circle. So the, that implant is always sitting on the side of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And so over time with your muscles pushing it, you know, you're going to slowly descend out laterally. And so we even do something called a prophylactic internal bra for mm-hmm. our, our breast augmentations. And so, you know, something to, to consider. And mm-hmm. it's not that we didn't know that the body needed more structural support. There just wasn't a lot of great options right. in the past. They were so price prohibitive. So yeah. uh, they were had other problems that, that, you know, in terms of needing drains, integration, Right. Uh, other things hard to use yep. to a small incision that mm-hmm. made it tough. Some of these new new meshes that you talked about have made it accessible for patients and for us. Right. And and one thing that I, I always tell patients is when we talk about mesh, mm-hmm. you know, I know as surgeons, we, we get used to the lingo, yeah. but usually someone who's not in healthcare, some of our listeners, they hear the word mesh and like, uh-oh, this is the bad stuff that causes problems with hernias or bladder slings. And I see those commercials on TV. At two in the morning. At two in the morning. <laughs> But I want to tell our listeners that this is not that kind of mesh. Mm -hmm. What Dr. Franco and I are using are resorbable mesh. And what that means is they're made out of basically suture materials that we've been using for decades. But this suture material slowly dissolves either over several months or over two years time. But as it dissolves, our own collagen type replaces it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a regenerative tissue matrix. It goes away. And so it's not that foreign body mesh that you hear about that potentially cause problems only at two in the morning on commercials when you probably should be in bed, but it is a resorbable mesh. It goes away. And I think that puts people at ease when they know it's not a foreign body mesh. hundred percent. Because the idea is that your body creates this structural support. They're going to build their own collagen into it. Mm-hmm. It's going to lock that implant in place. Also, you can do it without implants for, for mastopexies, right. breast reductions, for some of these people who maybe have a little larger breast stuff and looking right. for some of the fullness, like you were saying. Sure. So I, I think so many more options. No question these new products have put stuff out there because in the past i would only use these because they were so expensive and hard to use only when people have had multiple failures and it's nice now to be proactive about it right ahead of time in the past the materials we use what 10 15 years ago were products called alloderm or stratus they were basically sterilized processed cadaveric dermis meaning Mm -hmm. the strength layer of our skin or or dermis from the pig it would work but they were expensive and complex Whereas the newer materials we're using now, uh, much lower cost, faster healing, no need for drains, and, and patients are just happier with it. And it's easier to use surgically for us too. And don't you think the idea behind these of like getting people, because our goal is that we want people to be happy for a long time. You know, what's going to be super interesting over the next five, 10 years is is seeing whether, in my mind, I think these are going to really decrease even some of the, not only short-term, but long-term revision rates Absolutely. that we see over time. Absolutely. And yeah, that is exciting, actually, the long-term. You know, what impact will it have on scar tissue capsule contracture rates? We don't know mm-hmm. that. And there's some theories. I know, you know, in my basic science days, I remember what, back in 2011, I published a paper with some colleagues about using these materials, mm-hmm. acellular dermal matrix, 
and it prevented the inflammatory markers that trigger capsule contracture. Now, I'm not saying these materials prevent a capsule contracture, but that's, that was one of the last studies that I did. It was exciting, but people are kind of extrapolating. They still mm -hmm. reference that study yeah. as far out, but we don't know. I mean, some of these materials could prevent some of that, and I think it will help to decrease the revision rates on implant surgery. So long-term, I'm excited to see where this goes. I mean, you know, right now we use these materials off-label, and what that means is it's they're FDA approved for soft tissue support, but we use it off-label, meaning outside of the government's labeling on the breast. And we do off-label for Botox and other things all the time. It's safe to do, but we inform patients that it's off-label from the FDA labeling and, and it's safe to use. And people fly from all over the world to, to see you for this and, and mm -hmm. because you do some, some super unique stuff with it. And I think there is an art to how you use these special materials. It's not just like yep. you throw it in there and, and done and set. Yeah, Dr. Franco, great point. You know, I'm actually starting, you know, this technique is taking off around the country and around the world. And I'm actually starting to see on a monthly basis, someone that has had, quote unquote, an internal broad technique, but it failed. And what I'm finding is when I go back in, the material was never sutured in properly. And so one of the key things, I know there's really good surgeons out there that advocate that all you got to do is put this material in and maybe suture it somewhere once and that's it. I think it's much more than that. I think when we, when I use the internal broad material, I try to anchor the upper border of it to the muscle mm -hmm. and the lower border of it to the chest wall. So it's really good fixation. And for our listeners there, without getting too wonkish about the surgery technique, basically what I'm saying is when we use this material, we're using a lot of sutures to hold it in place so that the implant doesn't move. And when I see these cases that have had internal bra technique and it's failed and they're coming to me to fix it, when I go back in, I usually find the material shriveled up. Mm. It didn't hold. So I think fixation is really, really important to take a little extra time to make sure it's fixed in the right spot. And I know for listeners, it probably sounds simple, but there's a true art because if you make that too tight, the inflammation will fit too high. You yes. don't make it tight enough. It'll, I always tell people it's like going locks in, you know, just, it's gotta be just right. Not too tight, not yes. too loose. Not right. too <laughs> exactly. And, and, and listeners, and Dr. Frank, you're absolutely right. <laughs> listeners need to remember that internal broad technique procedures, although Dr. Franco makes it sound super easy because he's so talented, <laughs> these are complex cases. And you need to pick surgeons that have done this a lot because he's absolutely correct. It is so easy to overcorrect, undercorrecting. You know, I, sometimes I'll tell patients, look, I'm balancing, mult, I'm juggling <laughs> a lot of variables in your case. We're talking about symmetry. We're talking about nipple position. We're talking about where your breast sits on the right and left. We're talking about lateral malposition, inferior malposition. We're talking about your cleavage and the skin envelope. Now, I'm really good and I can juggle a lot, but sometimes we may need to come back and tweak something. Mm -hmm. Now, with experience, that revision rate goes down significantly, but sometimes we may need to come back and tweak something because these are these can be very complex cases, particularly if your implant's ruptured, you've mm -hmm. got malpositions, you've got capsule contracture. Good news is we've got the tools to fix it, but sometimes we may need to come back and tweak it. Because people don't realize that when we're in surgery, we do a lot of things anticipating where you're going to be six months from now. Because, right, right. you know, do we want to tighten it a little bit? Because we know certain parts are going to give. We know nipples are going to rotate a little mm -hmm. bit. We know some skin might stretch, depending on, like you mentioned earlier, how thick, how not stuff. It's so it's interesting and super fun. Yeah, it's, it's super <laughs> challenging, super fun, but you definitely want to go to a surgeon who's well-versed in it and who actually enjoys taking on these challenges. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for as you can hear from Dr. Franco and myself, this is a labor of love. We yeah. love it. Uh, <laughs> and we love the complex cases, but some surgeons don't. And we understand that. And it's okay. <laughs> Basu Aesthetics and Plastic Surgery is located in Northwest Houston in the Town Lake area of Cyprus. 
If you'd like to be a guest or ask a question for Dr. Basu to answer on the podcast, go to basuplasticsurgery.com forward slash podcast. On Instagram, follow Dr. Basu and the team at Basu Plastic Surgery. That's B-A-S-U Plastic Surgery. Behind the Double Doors is a production of The Axis, T-H-E-A-X-I-S dot I-O.